Hey. Hey, you. Hey, you. You. You over there. How did you make your way in here? How did you find yourself here? This, this I've never seen anybody in here. Okay. Um, well, we probably have a few minutes before the administrator finds out that you're in here and you get booted out. So let's, uh, I guess, have a little chat. You've now found your way into my mind. This should be interesting. Who sucks at doing a podcast on a regular basis? Who sucks at doing a podcast on a regular basis? Yeah, I do. But anyways. <laughs> all right, all right, guys. I'll be frank with you. It's it's not that I suck at doing a podcast on a regular basis. It's more so that I'm pretty busy. So some of you that follow me on Instagram can kind of like follow some of the pieces. And like what I show on Instagram is likely like a small pinch of like what my days are like and you know if it's a work-related day I have x amount of things to do and if it's like an off day I have more time right but I also have things I have to do that are part of the adulting process food prep and, and laundry and all this stuff for like many years laundry is a bad example food prep for many years now and with that comes like a lot of time that's spent to all this stuff. So, you know, I might just like everybody else, right? You have your days off and you probably lose a day getting ready for the work week, like laundry and, and with me, food prep and, you know, getting clothes situated and, you know, running errands. And then you got your adulting duties, right? You have maintenance of house and things and cars and pups and maybe family and you have you know whatever else you got going on on top of that and then you have things that you want to do for either enjoyment or betterment or or just improvements right if you're a diy home guy you probably have your projects if you have personal development things you're working on you're going outside of your comfort zone whatever those are in there right so there's things to think about like that so it, it's busy and like a big chunk of my busyness we'll we'll call it that is uh and once again this is definitely an elective in, endeavor but i choose to spend time devoted to creative for lack of a word shiznit <laughs> so i guess today in a roundabout way of me justifying my inability to come out with a podcast Every week, like I would kind of like to, and then one day we'll unpack the rest of uh, the reasons why this is a difficult thing for me to do, uh, is um, the creative process. So we'll talk about that today. I wanted to kind of get into that a little bit because some of you that follow me on social media and quite frankly just give a shit about what I'm doing probably see that I have like a number of of interests and hobbies and and those continue to grow right um, and those will always likely grow and unless something happens that I'm unaware of at the moment let's talk about my creative process and let's talk about 
really like how I go about things and planning for things. And let's just get into the whole creative thing because there's a lot of things we could tap into. And maybe this would be a good one for those of you that have interests or don't. And so let me start out with a shout out. Um, shout out to my friend Tracy. She has her own podcast. It's called Optimistically Salty, unless she's decided to change the name all of a sudden because she was thinking about that. Um, her and I kind of go back and forth on things a little bit, um, philosophical discussions. Sometimes we go about um, talking about hobbies. She does, she has like snakes, which to me is just so weird. <laughs> I am not a lizard or, or amphibious reptile guy. I'm not at all. So when she posts these videos of these things, like, I don't know, wanting food, I'm just kind of like, this is this, my, my inner chimp looks at that and, and looks at it like a competing uh, alpha creature in my territory. Like it's so different. It's, it's quite the opposite of how I do things. So, um, it, but anyways, I, dif I digress. We, her and I talk a lot about the different things and she recently mentioned she was thinking about um, learning a new new skill and new craft or new like hobby, right? Um, and I think everybody needs something. And this is probably a very biased statement from a person that up until recently, I've never considered myself like a creative type. But one time I realtor was like, yeah, no, I've always seen you like as a creative type type of person and I was like oh I guess I've never seen myself like that but I guess now where I am now and where I am in my creative endeavors I guess I can kind of agree with you know that statement now which is something I ne was never able to right because I I have a thing and you might notice that in the podcast if you listen to them a lot is that I have a thing with like douchiness so I am I am quite hyper aware of my ego but We'll go back to the topic at hand. So um, back to the whole hobbies thing. So I guess there's a number of hobbies, right? And, and Tracy and I were talking about like different hobbies because she wanted to take something else on. And I never want to recommend a hobby to anyone because I think longevity in any sort of hobby is all dependent upon interest and brainwashing, which we'll get to later. And also, you know, your, your ability, right? Like I would love to be able to have a giant warehouse where I build things and, and, and maybe cars and maybe this or that, right? But the problem is that you, the ability to do that is quite limited if you're not financially or time-wise able to do it, right? It, it, there's limitations on the creative process for sure. I mean, uh, there's a lot of things that creative people typically um, and this will be a good segue, creative, creative types usually get motivation from things. And so, you know, I, I get motivations from watching other creative people do creative shit, right? For lack of a better word, I'll be saying that a lot. So if you're sensitive to the, the more aggressive parts of the English language, then, um, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. So anyways, uh, so I was thinking about that today and, and, I don't ever like recommending hobbies to people. I think longevity-wise, if you really want to do something that brings that out of you, whatever that creative thing is in, in humans, if you want to have that, then it's crucial for you to find something that is rewarding. And rewarding is, is very unique to an individual. 
everybody sees rewards and personal accomplishment in many different ways. And I can take my own um, views on personal development or my own personal views on, on reward, um, internal rewards, and it can be completely different than yours. So, you know, it, it's hard to recommend things to people. So, you know, when she, she mentioned things, I just kind of recommended um, searching looking for things and and really diving deeply into things right because let's say you're into um let's say you're into like epoxy projects right shout out to mystery girl another shout out today um she was recently trying to get into epoxy projects and and you know i had some stuff laying around here so i let her kind of tinker with it right because i think some of the some of the process is learning the items and then tinkering with them and letting that little inner child come out and, and mess with things and make mistakes. You have to fucking make mistakes. Dang, I cussed. You have to make mistakes because if you don't make mistakes, um, let me rephrase that. You have to make mistakes in order to grow, but you have to be open to the learning process. Jimmy Dresta always says you go to school on the first right and and that's kind of the downside of the way i approach projects is that i oftentimes only make one and so i'm not repeating the process but if i do typically they come out better the second time right so um don't be afraid of making the process so uh, I'm, I'm losing my but i digress so the other part to consider is you need, to, you need to give it some thought, right? If you can have somebody that you can tinker with their tools or tinker with the things you'll need to do your projects, um, that's always better if you can. Why? Because let's say you want to start painting, right? This might be a bad example because most people that are painters are very particular about their brushes from my limited understanding. But let's say somebody wants to let you borrow some brushes and you can try it without necessarily buying the equipment or go take a class, right? And, and why do I say that? Because once you decide, I want to go into, let's say, woodworking, right? You're, you're going to have to invest money in tools. And somebody that's done woodworking, I can tell you that depending on the quality of the tools, depending on how many tools you need for the project, depending on the 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 types of tools you want that are going to make your time a little bit more efficient you can easily spend anywhere from hundreds to probably thousands to ten thousands of dollars right same thing with you know welding to 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 hearken to my friend um, tracy you know she wants to start she talk, thought about doing welding right well you need safety equipment which is masks gloves you know whatever else respirator you need um, the welding machine. You need the, the ex expendables as the welding wire. You need the argon or whatever gases you're going to be using. You're going to need a sort of metal table to weld on, a place to weld on because you don't want to light up anything. Um, you're going to need bare minimum, like, um, what else am I thinking? That just escaped me. There's going to be a few other things you're going to need um, that just come to mind automatically, right? And let's say you spend a couple thousand one to two thousand on all that equipment let's say you get a good deal on it or it's whatever right and then you do it for a little bit and then let's say you don't like it now you're in a position where you're going to be floating these things until you can resell them and that's true with anything and that's why 
when I said shout out to Mystery Girl, it comes to a good point of like, it's nothing's wrong with letting people borrow your stuff or letting people use your stuff if you have stuff that you have just sitting around. I had epoxy sitting around. I thought I was going to use epoxy far far more on my woodworking stuff than I really did. And so there's no issue for me to have her use it. In fact, it's probably good for her to use it because some of this stuff does expire. So that's something to think about right there. Um, but if we go back to the idea of picking a hobby or picking something that interests you, I think it just comes down to research and talking to people and maybe taking classes. And one thing that's been very helpful for me has been things like YouTube and Instagram. With YouTube and Instagram, especially YouTube, you can learn a lot without necessarily um, physically seeing something it gives you an idea of what's involved to do something and yes most youtube videos make it seem blatantly easy right um and that's their job in a way to make things easier and and the maker community has a uh mischievous way of, of luring people in by making it look easier than it is but um but at least there's i think some positive will it's not ill will what's the opposite of that there's some positive mindset behind that. And so it's always good to to bring somebody in with some positive positivity versus snake oiling them in. Is that a word, snake oiling? Anyways, so that's that's what I would suggest. You know, do some research. Um, YouTube is, is good as well. I'm sorry, you Instagram is good as well because they then you can really get an eye and follow people, right? And that actually leads me to, to the whole brainwashing thing. Um, I think... Part of part of creativity, um, especially for a creative mind type of person, is your ability to have ideas, right? And who knows where ideas come from? Some people will lean into the whole idea of of uh, God, or or back in the day, remember there was the siren, not the sirens, that's the wrong one. There was the um, the muses in Greek mythology that would whisper people's ears and give them motivation or inspiration or give them ideas right that's what they they credited the creativity part Um, but one thing that i will say has been like super useful for me um and one thing that i'll you know what i'll I'll give out today is the today is a shout out podcast huh i'll give a shout out today to um some I'll, i'll even tell you guys a story um a guy goes on instagram by the name of uh bowsdub b-a-w-s-s-d-u-b-b um met this dude randomly by the way like i was i was on on ye old offer up <laughs> and i was selling something right i can't remember what i he bought from me oh i think it was like a wacom tablet that i don't really use anymore and he met up with me i didn't know who this dude was we just met up or whatever and um you know we kind of just kind of kind of shooting the shit um about creativity and stuff and then i found out this guy is like a creative type right he he makes stuff i think he does shirts and he does like little little laser print cut it cut stuff um that's another thing i've been fighting the urge to look into is like lasers lasers and cnc machines i'm fighting the urge because i know how much they cost but anyways i digress I was talking to him and we started talking about all this stuff and started talking about lasers and started talking about CNC machines and talking about this you know, stuff he sells and he makes and the creative stuff. And then at some point he's like, oh, yeah. He's, so he saw my Instagram and he's like, oh, you you make stuff. And I was like, yeah. And then I, I found his. And so we, we kind of exchanged Instagram accounts. And, you know, that makes me think a lot about these the, the, the old saying 
about martial arts, right? Iron sharpens iron. And I think there's something nice about having creative types in your life like that, that, that kind of help feed each other creatively, because I think there is something to that as well. It's, it's the ideas of feeding each other. And that's sort of what social media does. But one thing that him and I agreed very quickly on was the idea that what you do and what you consume on social media definitely dictates a lot of things in your life. And and I'm willing to argue it's far, far more than what you you think or what you would assume, right? Um, we ran into this with a political scene a few years ago with Trump and, and and then we ran into it, you know, now a little bit with, you know, what's going on now and, and you know, the pandemic and all that stuff. So we ran into a lot of stuff like that. And, and one thing that was eye-opening to me was not any sort of right or left situation. It was more so um, the way the media stirred the pot. They were essentially the Jerry Springer <laughs> of of the nation, right? They were just like, oh, did you hear this guy's talking to this girl, right? They were doing that. And that was fascinating to me because I would see people in my life that uh, would – actually get fired up from this and to me very quickly it just it came off like a giant tmz show where it's like celebrity gossip and 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 mari and and jerry springer and all that stuff and i was like dude this is ridiculous right nothing is ever this bad and maybe i'm like i'm like one story in inception and should i go another level in i'll go one more level in so when i was younger in high school and i talked about this i think on my other podcast that um, we had we had this giant school fight. Um, the captain can confirm this. We, we we were in school and we were eating outside the cafeteria, and like this fight broke out. I don't even know what it was about. I just know there was a giant fight that broke out, and it was huge though. I mean, it was the most the biggest fight I ever seen. People were throwing things, and and people were just like throwing things for no reason because you know kids will be kids. And people got hurt, of course. And I remember people just were told to go back to classes. Eventually we did. And, you know, the police came. And and I think I'm told that the SWAT team came. I didn't see them. But ultimately, that night on the news, it was sold as, as like a giant riot at the school. It was sold like it was a giant, like, gang-related movie-level situation and it wasn't as bad right and i think that's when my eyes really opened to the idea that things are very sensationalized on television and the one could argue the same thing about the idea of who celebrities are in their in their celebrity face that that's sensationalization of who they are right so now one level out of inception we go into the concepts that i saw that with family members of mine where that they would get fired up about political left and right and they just harken back to that 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 news about my high school fight it's like it's not that bad it's not that crazy but people will get emotionally involved and so that was a very eye-opening experience for me because i realized very quickly that this stuff was happening on a different level with social media and the news now because i think the news saw the impact that things like social media and facebook and, and these ads and and these sensationalized stories how they inspired people to tune in more and get fired up about things and they leaned into it and that all started primarily from a social media platform and so one thing i realized very quickly is how how the social media things affect you right 
And that's why I caution people very, very high, very much highly. No, much, much on being careful on what you do on social media, apart from the safety aspect, right? Because there's been a lot of discussion about how people can keep an eye on you and, and be creepers with you concerning social media. But be very careful as to what you're consuming, because this is no different than consuming negativity and becoming a negative person because of it, right? The, the example I give people, and if you know anything about me by now, you know that I tend to go with really extreme examples, so hold on to your chairs. This is no different than if you have a child, a young, impressionable child. Let's say you have a two, three, four, five-year-old child, and you tell that child every single day, once, maybe twice a day, that they're stupid and won't, won't amount to anything right? If you do that for many, 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 many times, as an authoritative figure, you will crush that child. We can argue the potato and the egg scenario, but I'm still willing to argue far greater that you will crush that child. And while that is an extreme version of this, this is no different. When you're talking about news and social media of folks that you respect enforcing a positive or negative thing, then you're more likely to lean into that thing, right? And if it's a negative thing, it's going to put you in a bad headspace. This is no different. And so to hearken back one more level up of Inception, when I was talking to, uh, or when I first met um, my uh, my new acquaintance, Bowsdub, I think his name's D but I don't want to say it is if it's not. But anyways, when I first met him, one thing that we talked about very clearly was <laughs> three levels of inception. How do you like them apples? When we talked about that was the idea that he follows a lot of creative types. And I told him, as do I, right? And I, I gave him some of the accounts that I found very valuable. Um, and, and he kind of talked to me about some of his. And, and that, I think, for the creative mind is very critical. Because create, if you're trying to promote and develop a a creative mind, you have to fill your mind with things that are stimulating in a positive way. And this is no different than people that have like motivational quotes that come up on their feed every day because they follow motivational quotes. This is no different that if we go back to that child analogy, that if you did the adverse of taking that child and telling them that they are super important, super loved, and they're super talented, and they're going to make great things of themselves. If you now do the adverse of that original negative thing that's to lead far into a far more positive situation for that child and and better them and prepare them for a better situation because they have that belief in themselves and not just that their parental figure has that that belief in them and that instills so much more positivity in that child than if you did the adverse and so now this goes back to the same thing we talk about right if you're following a whole bunch of junk and negative BS on social media and your friends are just negative people that just repost BS and you have just bad, bad shit constantly on your feed, then that's going to affect your mood far more than you think you are. And as an adult now, I don't know about you guys, but I definitely feel like I consume too much junk as it is. I have a, a full-time job. I have my own set of challenges with my own, you know, things I'm, I'm trying to work out in my life. I have my own personal challenges at work. I have my own personal challenges with stressors in my life and things that I have going on. I personally, I don't know about you, but I personally don't have more shit that I'm trying to take on. And what I mean by that is more negativity. I'm just not. And so 
be very careful what you take on. Because one of the, the better things I've done for myself is really, first of all, stop watching useless TV that doesn't better me unless it's like a really like zone out brain moment, right? Where you watch dumb things. And two is like, I don't really pay attention to the news, to be honest with you. I have, Ruben will often tell me all the time. He's like, hey, did you hear about this on the news? I'm like, nope. My mom will tell me, did you hear about this? No, nope. I'll go into work and I'll be like, did you hear about this? I'm like, nope, but you're, you're gonna tell me about it. If it's important enough, you'll tell me about it. And they will. And if it's important for me to do a little research on it, I will. But that's one of the greatest things I've done because then you're consuming far less negativity. Because like we talked about before, in inception level number two, you're not, you, you can easily consume that all day, every day. And if you have negative people that you just can't push out of your life, then you're still going to consume some of that. So limiting the amount of that that you have is, is beneficial, right? That, that saying of like, they, they have that saying about people who deal with um, venomous snakes or, or, you know, bugs or reptiles or whatever. And they say, like, taking a little bit of venom every day for something that you can kind of potentially come in contact and, and, and develop a, a, what's the word I'm looking for, um, a resistance to is beneficial. But nobody's telling you to just take it all in one shot and figure out that you're going to just adapt to it. It's not the way it works, right? So that's that's in in a greater digression right we're yanking you back to the original topic that's one thing that i really suggest creativity wise that you would look into is is start following creative accounts creative accounts that that inspire you that give you ideas that 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 give you those moments that you say oh crap i didn't realize that could work that way and it's quite simple i could do that and you know what i'm going to try it this weekend you need to follow accounts that give you that type of that type of free inspiration and motivation because that's priceless if you can find people and things and videos and whatever that inspires you to want to attempt it yourself that's priceless that's number one if you're trying to be a creative person that's probably one of my top top recommendations follow creative people on social media you know, YouTube is huge for me and Instagram is huge for me. And it doesn't have to be like, hey, I created this thing. It could just be beautiful fucking things, right? There is, you know, that that's one of the things about changing your paradigm. There is some there is a peacefulness in having a routine of having something that you're aware of what's gonna happen and the the control factor of, of knowing that things are just good, right? There's no craziness. But every once in a while you have to change things up just for the stimulus, right? And then when you change things up, like for example, let's say you go on vacation and you go somewhere and see something stunning and beautiful that just makes you like kind of sit down and just not think about it and just stare at something for a while, that is in the same level of priceless because that thing will spark something in you. And, and sometimes it's just as simple as going somewhere and, and seeing new things, going to an antique shop and seeing how little gizmos and gadgets and little things work because those will give you inspiration on how something you can create or something you can work with or something you want to integrate into your home or something that looks really cool that you're like oh this would be great like if we can implement this technology in in car technology or this or that little things like that are are, are great um and then once you're in that area right when you're in that area of and this is once again this is all stuff that i do so i'm kind of leading you slightly into my creative side right because 
my stuff doesn't just stop at woodworking. If you saw my Instagram, you probably see the woodworking, but some of you guys will see some of the vector shirt stuff I do. And some of you guys will see the, um, the car stuff I do. And some of you guys will see some of the miscellaneous other stuff that is escaping me at the moment. And, and I just, I will dive into things if they're interesting enough to me. Now, can I make things more interesting so that they are interesting in my brain? Probably not. My brain doesn't work that way. But if they are interesting, I will lean into it. And I think that's the next phase. Once you figure out something that just stimulates you, sparks something in you, start doing the research. Start looking at things on Instagram. Start following how-to videos and seeing how things are done. Because then once you're there, right, once you have the, the interest to do something and you want to learn more about it, now you have to feed that. You have this little creature in you. You have a little gremlin in you now. And you have to feed that little gremlin, 80s reference, so that it keeps eating and it keeps kind of being interested in the thing. And if after watching videos and after you start seeing people doing things, you still have that spark and motivation, the only logical step then is to feed it and do it. Attempt it. Try it. Everybody has different approaches, right? The trying a thing can be difficult because of, once again, the things we've talked about before. Um... And also, everybody's approaches are going to be different, right? And everybody would love to have the thing look as easy and as, as, as come out just the way they did on those videos. Um, and it might not. And you have to be okay with that. But also, there's a couple ways of approaching it, right? If you're the type of person that gets frustrated very quickly if things don't go great, then maybe you need to be the type of person that takes steps into that evolution, if you like, for example, let's say your ultimate goal is to make an epoxy river table, right? But you're a person that, that is likely to get discouraged by one failure, then you're better off doing a little, little project, envisioning it, not having a set concrete vision of it, and then going to the next step is going to like a, maybe a little tiny little thing or working your way up to the point where then You've had enough experience with the materials. You have enough experience with the tools. You know what you're getting yourself into. Instead of going from zero to 100 real quick is, is taking that progressive step. I tend to do the Drake model. And some of that, right? Like I'm the type of guy that will just go into a river table. Never done one, right? But what I'm saying is like if, if I wanted to, I would just go into it. Um, and once again, I'm, I'm, leave, I'm letting you guys into my brain a little bit. And so this is my process. It doesn't have to be yours. But if you care about my process, here it is. Typically, I do go into the deep end first. You know, if I have an idea of what I'm going to build, like let's say I built my nightstand. Some of you guys have seen my nightstands. Um, links down below to my Instagram. Um, I knew what the nightstands were. I wasn't super set on the design, but I did some quick sketches and eventually I got to where I was and I'm pretty happy with my nightstands, right? My not night, my nightstands, if I can talk, are likely one of my like top five projects that I like, right? Because of, of not, not because quite frankly, it's the most beautiful of any of my projects. The reason why I like my nightstands is because I was quite aware that this was above my skill set at the time of creating them. And what I mean by that is I had done very basic woodworking projects up until then, up until then, um, excluding the cabinet. But 
it was the challenging, the fear in this project was not the, 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 the carcass. Because essentially, if you think about it, everything boils down to shapes and boxes and what things are, right? Nightstand is essentially a, a variation of different boxes. But the thing that made it challenging was the hidden drawer, was the mechanism, was the fact that dimensionally everything had to be to a specific tolerance so that the hinges, a double hinge system, a hinge, so think about it this way. For those of you that haven't seen my, my picture, and in fact, I, I looked at my pictures on Instagram the other day, and I don't think they show the hidden drawer very well. But anyways, I digress. One day I'll show it better. The, essentially, if you think about it, my nice hands are a box with legs, right? But within that box is another box. And within that box is another box. And within those two boxes, you have to have you have to be able to cut them to a specific dimension so that the tolerances, which are the thickness of the drawer slides, can fit in between those dimensions. And you got to hope and pray <laughs> that when everything goes well, it goes well and everything fits and nothing needs to be redone because something went wrong and the, now the drawer doesn't fit in there with the slides or or it's too much space in between them and now you have spacers or you have to adapt a way to fix it right and my my pro my my what i'm trying to say with all this is saying that i jumped into it i didn't do a test version i didn't go in and make another little like mini version or something i didn't do any of that because i felt like first of all i'm not gonna make fake like tiny little slides it's not gonna work that way but there's just no purpose and I would just have to take my time and measure things and knock on wood, everything's still working great and it, everything works perfectly fine. Now, with that being said, that's an oversimplified version of what really happened here, right? Like wh when I go into the deep end, the only way these things come out as good as they do and asterisk, nothing's ever perfect right all woodworkers i think struggle with this where you know where your imperfections are and you know where your mistakes are the real question is if nobody can see them um you're you're good and you should likely not point them out by the way and we'll talk about that at the very end because i feel like this podcast is getting very long um but let me tell you about my process and why i i go to the deep end one because I don't need to have 13 million things sitting around because I'm not making these and selling these. So I'm not going to ship a nightstand. So ultimately I didn't have time to make another set or I wasn't going to make another set to practice on, right? You go to school on the first as Jimmy Dresta says. So I wasn't going to go and, and make a whole bunch of them. And so what I ended up doing is just, I tend to go on the deep end. I go to the deep end of the pool and I just jump in and I figure it's going to be expensive if I end up, for lack of a better word, fucking this up. It will be because this is lumber and it's also, um, um, it's, there's uh, walnut plywood and there's walnut lumber and there's drawer slides and there's whatever, whatever. So it could be expensive if I completely jack this up. But ultimately, it, it's not without its risks. But I think Putting, pushing myself and cornering myself in these projects is part of a crucial aspect of it because I under, understand that I am a slight perfectionist, not a whole perfectionist, but I'm a half perfectionist. And so knowing that if it is not executed to a certain level, I will be upset with myself and I will likely have to get rid of them. So they have to be executed on a high level. So already I'm cornering myself with a high level of pressure. Secondly, um, because of that, 
there's a level of motivation that comes with that, right? You, when you when you corner yourself, you're admitting to a certain level of stress in a project. And I think that's sometimes when I shine the best is because there is a stress to it. And so because there is stress and, and, and skin in the game, I'm more likely to spend far more time researching and thinking about the process. When you see a big build of mine, it isn't a, oh, I just jumped into the garage and started cutting things. If it's a big, intricate build, there's likely dimensional dimensions written on, on drawings that I've made, whether it's on my, my pad or my phone or whatever. There is there's sketches. There's been a lot of time thinking about things. There's been time where I've just sat somewhere and looked at something and pretended I knew what it was there and how, how tall and wide it had to be, what I would want it to look like. There's times where I'm sitting there kind of planning how things would work, how things should open, how things should move. And then after I've figured out a, a drawing, once I've figured out some sort of dimensions, I start figuring out, well, if I want this and this, and it's got to be three-quarter ply. This has got to be three-quarters, so you got to start removing three-quarters from here from there you gotta start looking at dimensions you can start figuring out rough estimates on how, how things are and then that's phase like three in the process phase phase four is when you're sitting there and you're thinking about how you're going to make these cuts because it's not just about oh yeah i need this piece of wood that's like square and here and rectangular here and it's this long and this thick and this wide it's not just that. It's also thinking about how you're going to approach machinery to get that material to look and, f and, and come out that way. Why? For two reasons. One, so you're not wasting material because material can be expensive. And two, because there's a huge safety aspect of it. And while I have always had a huge focus on safety, um, my, my little, uh, my little uh, a fight with the jointer last year really opened my eyes far more to the idea of safety. And so you, those things are on the back of my mind. And how I approach the cuts and, and my process and putting things together, what has to go first, what has to go second, how do I approach this, what's going to be the most challenging piece of this, and how, in what order do I need to do this so that's not the most challenging piece or to ease the challenge, what's going to be the most difficult part to pull off, and why is it going to be difficult, and how do I mitigate these errors. These are all thought processes that go behind the scenes on a project that I'm thinking about weeks, maybe even a month or two before the project is even, I'm even in the garage. And that is the only way that I can pull off these projects without having to work my way up to the final versions. And I'm not saying that's the best way. It, it, it's, a, it's a high level of commitment time-wise. There's no way around it. Because if I don't spend that time in, it, it will either be, it will turn out bad or I won't like it or things just won't work. And I'm going to be spending a lot of money in going to lump, buying lumber and equipment and tools often. So there's got to be, you got to figure out your way, your approach, your strategy for your creative endeavor and how you're going to pull off your projects. And that comes, it comes down to knowing yourself and knowing how you approach projects and life and everything. And so those are kind of the, the things I would urge to you um, is use those as a tool. I know this is not a how-to, but it's just more so of a, trying to show you tools for the creative process, both brainwashing yourself, right, to, to be more creative, to take on more creative 
media, more creative ideas into your brain subconsciously. There's that's all, there's also a benefit to taking in less negative media in your day to day just for your pure sanity and happiness. But um, the way how you should approach projects and how you should plan for them depending on your personality style. And the one last thing, because I think this podcast has gone longer than I expected to, and those of you that are non-creatives but are friends of mine and feel obligated to listen to this are probably over it, I will um, lead you with one last thing. Because I am hypercritical of my projects, and I alluded to the fact that you know, I've known a lot of woodworkers that are very critical of their projects as well and that are... Um, you know, very quick to just point out the things that, that are wrong. And I, I do that as well. Um, not to everyone, but I do that with people I, I likely kind of um, trust a little bit with the, those ideas. Um, but nobody ever cares about any mistakes because they don't notice them, right? I'll lend you this. Nobody's ever going to notice likely your, your issues, right? It's even likely that a woodworker is not going to notice your errors, especially if they like the piece, right? You don't go to Italy... Rome, whatever. You don't go to look at a marble statue carved by Michelangelo and you look at, I don't know, what's a famous uh, statue? Oh, okay, that's right. Um, David. David of Michelangelo. I couldn't think of that name. You wouldn't go to see it in wherever it is now, Rome. I think it's in Rome, whatever. You wouldn't go to Rome and look at this statue of David of Michelangelo and just stare at it and be like, you know what, man, that leaf right there, that leaf right there isn't very accurate. <laughs> that leaf is, that leaf's, that leaf's too small, bro. That leaf is way too small. Anyways, you, you're going to look at the leaf and say, that's not what a leaf looks like in real life, right? And it's likely the same thing with any sort of creative endeavor. Most people can nitpick it. And, and if they're, for lack of a better word, assholes, they will, um, especially if it's something that people are very emotionally connected to. But most people won't. Why? Because most people are more amazed that that you can do the thing that likely they can't. And even if they can do the thing that you do, they're never going to sit there and give you a hard time for it. But one of the fears I think is the creative is that, like, I'll use my example of woodworking. Um one of the one of the fears I think as a woodworker is that you come across another woodworker and they see your work and they can see the mistakes that you can openly see. And what I've found is that while there are those that can and there are those that probably will, most of those people in those two categories will likely never make comments on it. Right? But I think the fear comes from a uh, a point of, oh, they do they can do what I can do, and so there the, the my errors are openly apparent to to them as they are to me, and I'm going to tell you that's likely not the case unless somebody's sitting there and Sherlock homing homing the shiznit out of your project, and and I'll give you an example, I occasionally f with the wood working projects right. I'm trying to stop cussing. Uh, I I am in the process of of designing and planning to update my kitchen a little bit because I really don't like the cabinets. This has been a, a thing that I've been thinking about for quite a while, which harkens back to the idea that 
I am working on um, thinking about things far before I even get to inside the woodworking shop. And I'm nowhere near ready to start getting in the woodworking shop and, and creating cabinets and whatnot, right? But I'm definitely already thinking about what things are going to look like, how things are going to be, how things are going to change, what I need to do to get it to the final idea, right? And so as I'm going around looking at my cabinets and I'm opening doors and thinking about how I'm going to do this, how I'm going to do that, what needs to change here, how am I going to modify that? One thing that is very funny to me is that I've I've been in this place for um, a while now. And one thing that has, has been kind of funny to me is that there's been a lot of mistakes I have never noticed until I got that far into it, ever. I mean, there are boards that are not face face frame boards that are not flush with each other. You can you can move your finger and it's it, you can feel it drop a, a level. I've never noticed that. There are panels face frames again that the person that put these in messed up and they drilled in the hinges on the opposite side i mean there are holes there they're not filled it's not like they're filled and i just missed them and trying to get a pot and pan out of the cabinet it's op- just bare holes and these are things i have not noticed in being here for quite a long time and so and i'm a woodworking guy right these are things that should pop out of my eyes but likely it's not so my whole point to this in in, in an effort to try to save you guys a bit of more time in not having to listen to me for much longer. Um, my point to all this is saying, don't be so critical of your work. Enjoy the process, which is easier said than done for me. I know that. So it's kind of hypocritical for me to say this. That goes back to the ego thing we talked about initially. Dang, I'm, I'm on layers today. So ultimately, enjoy the process and definitely don't be so critical of your work. That's not the point of the podcast. The point of the podcast is trying to give you guys a concept of um, my approach to creative things and feeding that creative beast within you, a little creative gremlin. But that's it, guys. I'm petering out. I need to get some food and or rest. Probably rest. Hopefully you guys like this podcast. Um, Go out there and just tinker with things. I think... It's always good to tinker with things without having any skin in the game. If you want to go painting, go do a painting class for one day. If you want to try sculpting, sculpt. Buy some clay. Sculpt. Play-Doh is super cheap right now. You can sculpt with Play-Doh. Is it pro-level things? No. Is it going to get you to create a giant, I don't know, one-to-one scale of freaking Thanos? Probably not. But it gets you a starting point. And if you like it enough... You feed that little gremlin in you and you continue to feed it until you get to the level you want to get to. And that's no different than woodworking. That's no different in building cars. That's no different in, in epoxy projects. There's no different in any of the, the creative endeavors that you want to do. Any of them. Feed that little gremlin. Get get a little bit of motivation. Use social media and, and really leverage things for your positive benefit. Don't leverage them for negativity and bad freaking mindsets. Leverage that creativity brain because I think there's something that is there's something that is quite innocent in feeding that in, that intellectual creative side. It it harkens back to the days of of kindergarten and preschool where you used to just your teacher used to just jump just dump a whole bunch of uh, crayons or, or whatever on on the table and they're like have fun, you know. And there's something about that where kids are like, whoa, 
oh, we can draw whatever. And you're like, yeah, whatever you want, buddy. And you're like, cool. There is something to that. And you got to try to touch that a little bit. If you can touch that that mindset, that 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 inner child a little bit, there's some there's a certain level of joy in that. And and while jumping into the deep end and the way that I approach things does come with a certain level of pressure that doesn't lean into that mindset, there that mindset is still there if you dig deep enough. That's it, ladies and gents. I want to give you guys a little bit of break. Hopefully this wasn't too long. I will uh, try to continue to kind of do these on a regular basis. But as we talked about, I think the creative process is one of those. And I guess I didn't answer the original point for this, huh? <laughs> the original point for this is that I don't have enough time to do this freaking podcast because I'm doing, I'm feeding that little gremlin. I got a fat gremlin in me. You know what I'm saying? That, that gremlin is fed. That gremlin is happy. It's eating. All right? Let me feed the freaking gremlin. All right? So when I can get back on here and I give you guys a little, little something-something, you know, I'll be here. But if you do have topics for me and you want me to talk about something, I would really love some some deep philosophical stuff. You know, we could talk about, I don't know, approaches to life, positive, negatives. I mean, really, really deep-ish. You want to get that to me? Send me a DM or something. I'm interested. I'm very interested. I always love philosophical talk. I love creative, sh- creative shit, right? But I love sitting down and just having coffee and talking about ideas and and philosophizing about life and choices and whatever meaning of life level shit. It's always fun. But that's it. So I apologize for not being on a regular schedule. You have my other podcast on that one. I'm I'm religiously. Um, consistent on my other podcast it might not be everybody's cup of tea but i'm consistent on that one now on this one i'm fighting for time people plus the motivation right like like it, i can't i can't feed the motivation through instagram on this one because it's sometimes a very um internal conversation i'm having with you guys by myself in a room and so that's that's my major problems here it's the time and the creative endeavors i take on and the fact that sometimes I need to be in a specific type of mindset in order to bring you guys cohesive, like in-depth thoughts about my approaches to things or my th- opinions on life. Boom! I freaking got this one down. Hell yeah. You know why I say I got this down? Because I brought it full circle. I answered the initial question. I brought you guys in and out three levels of inception. Dude, come on. Come on. Come on. I killed it this one. I killed it. You gotta admit it, I killed it. Freaking killed it.